0: Hello, my name is Paul Boag and you're listening to Digital Insights and in today's podcast I want to talk to you about one of the biggest frustrations faced by both clients and web designers alike and that is getting accurate pricing. So in this podcast I want to break down the problem around pricing and propose a solution. How much does a website cost? Well it's an impossible question to answer isn't it because it depends So it's hardly surprising, therefore, that questions around pricing projects are some of the most common that I get from freelancers and the agencies that I mentor. Of course, this leaves us in a difficult position. How can we price our web design services, and how can clients expect to budget for their projects? To find the solution to these challenges of budgeting and pricing web design services, we need to understand the problem. So let's start at looking at it from the client's perspective. The client has to budget for the services they require and so need a figure to work with. However, they probably lack any kind of reference point. They may well have never commissioned a website redesign before and even if they have, it might have been years ago and the shape of the project might have been very different. The only way they can get a figure that they can get approval for is to get some quotes from suppliers and yet... Suppliers can easily find themselves in an impossible situation when a client goes out to tender. Many clients are required to go out to tender to ensure that the company gets the best value for money. However, this puts potential suppliers in an awkward position. Often the invitation to tender lacks the details the supplier requires in order to be able to provide an accurate accurate quote. Also, in many cases, the client is asking for a fixed price quote, and so the supplier needs to be entirely confident in the price they give. The supplier then has to make a decision. Either they cut corners and pitch the project low, or they focus on delivering a high standard and risk losing the work to a cheaper pitch. Even if they're not in a competitive tender situation, there is a danger with that second option that the figure quoted will be entirely beyond what the client can actually afford. Now, you might be thinking that if the invitation to tender is thorough enough, listing precisely the functionality that is required, this will enable the supplier to provide an accurate quote. Unfortunately, once again, it's not that simple. Although many requests for proposals do indeed list features that the client wants to see, it isn't enough to provide a great quote. For a start, these lists of features are often more like wish lists than anything else. The client includes all the features that they might find useful with little idea of whether those features are going to be expensive to implement or likely to generate any kind of return on investment. Also, many of the features lack real research behind them as to whether or not users will actually find them useful, and so you can end up commissioning features that aren't required. However, the biggest problem with these lists is trying to quote when you lack the full details. For example, a request for proposal might list e-commerce functionality. However, it's not specific enough to determine the cost of implementation. Then there is the factor that all requests for proposal are missing, and that is the most critical element of all, quality. In most cases, when it comes to creating a website, the more time you invest in your creation, the better the quality. More design time enables more testing, which leads to more compelling and easy to use interfaces. More development time leaves room for optimization and bug fixing that improve performance and device capability. And more content creation time allows space to test and refine copy to ensure that it answers users' questions and connects with them. Unfortunately, acceptable quality is hard to quantify. Suppliers have trouble expressing the impact of cutting budget on the final output, while clients don't see the return on investment that comes from investing more time. That means when a client asks a web services supplier to quote on a project, the provider has to balance ensuring adequate quality with keeping the price in an acceptable range for the client. Without knowing the budgetary constraints, the supplier has to make a guess, and that's why it's far wiser to have a discussion about budget up front. Ultimately, the solution to these challenges is an open and honest conversation between client and supplier about the budget. First, the supplier needs to find a way of explaining to the client exactly why they need to give at least an indication of budget. The way I've come to explain this kind of thing to the client is talk about the experience of buying a house. If you went to see an estate agent about buying a house, the first question they will ask you is about budget. You will have, uh, you may have other requirements, but without knowing the budget, the estate agent can't work out the way of providing you with the best house within those limitations. For example, if you, ha- if you have a need for a four-bedroom house but a limited budget, it may be the- me that you have to compromise over something like the area or the state of repair that the house is in. In my experience, talking in these terms helps the client to understand the need to have a conversation up front. However, it doesn't help much if the client doesn't have a clue of what their budget is. And although many clients say they don't have a budget, that's not entirely true. If you turned around and suggested they commission a million-dollar website, the chances are they would reject your idea out of hand. In other words, they have at least a sense of how much is too much. To help explain the point, I talk about previous projects I've worked on. I give a vague outline of the kind of thing the project included and share an approximate price. As we discuss various projects, I ask whether the budget feels about right it, uh, and if I'm still not getting anywhere, I start to talk theoretically with questions like, if I submitted a proposal for $60,000 with a strong case to spend that budget, do you think it's likely to get approval? With a little perseverance, it should be possible to zero in on an approximate figure. Even if you have to go, 60000 does that sound all right? 50000 can you cope with that? What about 40000 And so on. When submitting the proposal, however, even once you've got that approximate figure, it's always advisable to offer multiple options. Typically, I favor offering a client three options. One that provides the maximum value possible within the ballpark figure we've discussed. One that comes in over budget, but offers significantly more value. And one that falls slightly below the agreed sum, but pairs back the scope. However, even with an open conversation about budgets upfront, the challenges around pricing web services will never go away entirely. You see, the problems with pricing projects are deeper than we've discussed so far. It also revolves around how companies procure services as well as how they handle their finances. Now, I've written before about how organizations need to stop seeing their website as a capital expense that goes out every few years, and instead they need to shift to it being an operational expense that involves ongoing investment. However, there's also the issue of fixed projects and competitive tenders. The idea behind these processes is to maximize value for the client. However, I'm not sure it actually achieves that aim. The problem with fixed price projects is that the supplier has to pad the proposal with contingency to ensure that they still remain profitable if the project overruns, and that means the client is paying a premium to have a fixed price. Many companies may be happy with that, which is fair enough. However, the more significant problem is that fixed price projects also mean a fixed scope and that leaves no room for ideation based on user feedback or pivoting if the direction proves wrong. Instead, a fixed-price project locks both the client and the supplier into a course of events that could lead ultimately to the wrong direction for the business. I believe that it's actually time to start engaging suppliers on a time and material basis, or at the very least, breaking up big web projects into smaller fixed price projects that allow the opportunity to adapt between engagements.